No intro. No. Never has been. Never will be. That's our that's our signature. Some say the old ones say of a time when there was an intro. <laughs> oh. But they went on the ice flow last week. And so we don't have to accept that as our truth. That's right. Uh the Cajun peoples were worried about their truth, speaking their truth. I think they were worried about survival, mostly. I don't know. Uh, According to that documentary I saw on Apple Plus called C, uh, it's really important <laughs> to speak your truth <laughs> and to read uh, on-the-nose sci-fi books. Uh, yeah. What's – I don't even remember. I've totally forgotten because there was a whole debacle. Didn't that get pushed back or something? Anyway, the point is they read some – oh, I think it was 1984, right? I can't remember Which now. doesn't even apply. It was something on the, yeah. It doesn't it even apply notes, to their yeah. situation. No, They're living really. in a post-apocalyptic world that is returned to like to an agrarian society. Right. Because everybody has lost the ability to see. Right. See. Except for these kids <laughs> who are born to presumably Jason Momoa, right? Who, yeah. Old enough to have teenage kids? 20-something kids? Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? You'd gram up a little bit. Uh, and then, and so, they, they, so they've so they confined the last moldering paperbacks, which must have been vacuum sealed because they look great. And they're reading 1984. And it's like, that's not that's not how any of this works. I, I have a couple questions. Plus, you you need so much context. You were growing up in caveman times, essentially, even though it's 2289 or whatever. Right. 1984 is going to make no sense to you whatsoever. It is no. social commentary no. for which you have no social to understand the commentary. But like, Give them Dick and Jane and watch them flip out. But like, so supposedly their society, oh, their man, culture has been, C. sorry, you started it, um, has has not been able to see for a very, very long time. Yeah, I heard about that. Generations and generations, right? So who like saved these? Who's holding on to the books? Yes. I don't know. And why don't they have Braille books? Why do they have books with like printed Roman words in them? Romanized Latin. I don't know what the right way to say this. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? Why are there printed words that aren't Braille in this book? Why did? Why are they saving it if they can't read it? I don't think anybody saved it. I think they just stumbled upon a cache of old books or something like that. Because that's what happens. I think I don't know. Look. That's what ha- there's no world building other to to say you know, the, in in the before before times or something like that. It was said that people you know had five senses or whatever. I don't think that the, I didn't watch it, and it's created by Stephen Knight, who remember if you like Daredevil, Daredevil guy? yeah, if you like Daredevil, remember that Drew Goddard made that show, and then he left co- to go true. direct Spider Man or whatever, and right. then he lost that job, and it was like shit. Right. So Stephen Knight, the guy who. Uh, I think he co-created Taboo, you know, with uh, oh, I like Taboo. Tom Hart. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Anyway, so not one of these like, wow, you're punching way above your weight. TV creators that we have, which is pretty much every TV creator. What is wrong with TV today? I don't know. We're in the fool's gold age of television. Yeah. What are we talking about? See. So anyway, but what did you, is there enough of a backstory? Did everybody go blind overnight? I guess that would lead to a collapse in society, yeah, right? I or don't was know. it gradual? Because there's a movie called Blindness. Don't watch it. It's not. I don't think it's in a retube, but it's it's some 
like Spanish filmmaker who is does not it's it's not good. But okay. anyway, Julianne Moore and Mark, Ru- Mark Ruffalo live in a world where people are like gradually going blind, but okay. not gradual enough that it's not like they're all rushing a a Gelson's or something like that. Like there is panic in the society and things kind of go bad and anyway, it's not a good movie. Um but in C, mm-hmm. If they all went blind overnight, sure, there's stacks of paperbacks everywhere. Okay, if they all went if blind If they started overnight. to go blind, the people who could see, who were, say, publishers, would then, you know, start producing Braille books, right? Right. Trying to keep their business alive. Right. But C didn't think about that. Well, I also want to know, if they can't, if the adults can't see, uh, how are they teaching the young kids how to read words? How do they know how to read at all? That is yes. a great Great question. Right? They must have found a primer along with all the other Something. books. And, and the, and the uh, British uh, uh, Second World War period right. social commentary. Right. And, <laughs> along with, like, English textbooks, you know, because, like, the English language is incredibly difficult to learn. Not really. Well, I guess they can speak it, right? Yeah, they all speak. Yeah, they so just, they just need to know, like, they, this they letter goes with this sound. the sounds yeah. to the letters. Right. And I'm not saying it would happen overnight. God, I wish we'd watch C <laughs> instead of what I picked. But because <sighs> of... You've, you've gone first, like, the last dozen times. But Do because you think of it the, makes sense? Well, it's because of the structure of today's show, which okay. we... I wavered on yeah. a point. I'm fairly decisive. You are? But I think the effect of being that decisive and also being conscientious mm-hmm. and um, and deferring to other people is that you I get a Subway Club card of decisions. And when I fill up my card, I have a, you know, a moment of personal doubt. Mm-hmm. And I hit okay. a moment of personal doubt where mm-hmm. I was like, we could go through with this. We don't have to throw it to you, the person who can't decide whether to open her eyes in the morning. And you were like, hmm. and then I'm like, okay, we're going for it. And now we've got the show that we've got. But we had a way out, but you didn't stand up. First, they came for Brian De Palma movies. Oh, my gosh. And you said don't, nothing. Don't put this all on me. <laughs> That's not fair. Super conscientious, deferring. Uh, demurring. Hmm. Oh, you defer to somebody if you are demurring to somebody. <laughs> Put that in your C and look at it. Gonna sniff the whole show. What movie did you pick? Uh, I picked. You didn't uh, pick it. Well, we weren't talking about that. Well, it was on your list. (laughs) Look, look, I've learned. We're we're doing this show, and I'm gonna do the whole thing because I've learned to never ask you for advice ever again. I don't appreciate that (laughs) at all. Mister, come on, we're running out of time. Okay, I will. I guess I will just get going and tell you what Jeez. I picked. Oh, um, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which I had never seen before, um, uh, and knew what it was basically about. And good because then you can listen to me say it. And yeah, you can double check my facts. Yeah, when I do that. Yeah, probably right now. Go for it. Marion Crane works in a real estate agent's office in Phoenix, Arizona. She's having an affair, but it's not an affair. She's not married with a guy who's divorced, but it's still illicit in 1960. Mm -hmm. She gets fed up. There's a large cash transaction that happens um, just as the weekend is beginning in her office, and she decides she's going to take that money. She takes it. She gets out of town. She's going to go meet him in L.A. where he lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, She makes really good time. 
mm-hmm. uh, some things happen. She's begins to worry that this is the wrong idea. And that's when she finds the Bates Motel off the highway. Mm-hmm. She decides to stay there. She talks to the uh, caretaker or the desk manager and um, a Norman conversation. Bates. Yeah, a yeah. guy named Norman Bates. <laughs> See, what, what if what if you played like the movie and you didn't like telegraph the whole thing right that's what i was trying to do but then you come in you know norman bates like that murderous kid in that tv show on amc what if you just, let me, what if you just let me finish this part <laughs> she has a heart-to-heart with the desk manager that convinces her to change her mind and before bed a quick shower <laughs> see how that would have been so great uh and she's stabbed to death by a mysterious figure norman discovers her body uh freaks out but isn't that freaked out and he quickly covers it all up. Yeah. Cut to a couple days later, we meet uh, Lila Crane, uh, her sister, and also her hunky uh, boyfriend. And they are trying to figure out where Marion is. Uh, Martin Balsam shows up. He's a guy named Arbogast. He's a private detective. And he at first suspects them, but then uh, they all decide to work together to find out what happened to Marion. Eventually, he finds the Bates Motel. He braces uh, Norman. It's clear that something's going on with Norman. So he calls the pair and says, uh, I'm, I'll call, call you back, but there's this Bates Motel. He goes to check out the big spooky old house where mm-hmm. Norman's mother lives. He is stabbed to death by a mysterious figure. You're going to hear that a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then uh, Lila and, uh, and uh, John Line uh, decide to go up and check out the Bates Motel. Yeah, and I think his name is Sam. Sam. Yeah. And um, they kind of boringly <laughs> talk to the neighbors, <laughs> and the third act's not great. Uh, but then it turns out, oh my god, the mother's been dead the whole time, and Norman is wearing her dress and uh, wearing a wig and stabbing people to death and drowning their cars in the swamp behind the house. Yep. And then a psychiatrist comes in, and he tells us everything we just saw. <laughs> the end! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. How many times has this happened? Because we're going to, let's just talk about my movie. I don't want to do these together, but we'll just say that, you know, I picked the 1980 Brian De Palma film, Dressed to Kill, mm-hmm. which I'd never seen mm-hmm. and didn't really, didn't know anything about. Right. Um, except that it was, you know, like a lurid mur- murder mystery type thing. Right. We start watching it. We, yep. A policewoman is, is having an affair and we get 25 minutes in and I go, stop the movie. We need to stop the movie. This is Psycho. At which point I turn to you and say, it's on my list. And you're like, we're going to watch Psycho. Yeah. Now, we've done that a couple times. Mm. Oh, that's the mm of I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Uh, We started watching something that like referenced Pulp Fiction. And then you're like, well, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction. And I'm like, stop the movie. We went out to a blockbuster. This was a while ago. I bought yeah. the movie on Blu-ray. Yeah. We brought it back. We watched Pulp Fiction. Then we finished whatever that movie was. There was the time the that we was. watched The Transporter. And the third act of The Transporter is Jason Statham doing the truck chase from Indiana Jones. And I was like, this is the truck chase from Indiana Jones. I haven't seen Indiana Jones in the, in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Stopped the movie. <laughs> watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> finished The Transporter. This is... um. You need to name this maneuver like the Picard maneuver because I've done oh. this more than a few times. The Mika maneuver? I don't know. Why is it your maneuver? Oh. It's my maneuver. The Cal maneuver. When you grab the joystick, it can be your maneuver. Okay. So wow. anyway, <laughs> so anyway, that's what happened here. And it wasn't until we had completed, I mean, I'd seen Psycho a million times, but we'd finished that and then I we finished Dressed to Kill and I also did a little cheating. We don't cheat often, but I cheated a little bit and I'm like... Yeah, that's what he was trying to do. It, mm-hmm. He just made a crappier psycho. Right. So let's talk about your, let's talk about the good psycho. 
What? Then we'll talk about the bad one. Okay. Um, I think I should mention, while you're gathering your thoughts, hmm. that for a movie that is 60 years old this year. Yeah. And License to Kill, will, it will be 40 years old this year. Uh-huh. Um, you, <laughs> one of the most famous twists of all time. For One Psycho. of the biggest yeah. c- cinematic secrets behind perhaps only Luke, I am your father. You were in the whole time. I was. Up until that fruit cellar, you had no idea. You are absolutely correct about that. I think that's amazing. And I should have filmed you watching the movie. <laughs> like how these psychotic parents now are filming their kids, you know, watching Darth Vader saying, Luke, I'm your father. Oh, really? It's I wasn't aware of that. weird fetishistic That's thing. weird. Let your kid live their lives. They're going to hate you. Like, they're going to hate. They're going to throw your Blade Runner gun on the roof for y- sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why don't you just like observe their reaction instead of filming it and putting it on the Internet? Like it's well, I mean, it's like or people filming uh, their girlfriends watching the Red Wedding or whatever. I don't. I don't. I haven't seen any of these videos, and I really not, and I do not care. I still to. don't know what you do on the internet. Yeah, well, uh, not that. Um, <laughs> you sh- you don't want to leave it like that. You want to tell us what you do because now we're just wondering what you do. <laughs> not that. I don't know. I go on Facebook. Leave me alone. <laughs> I read articles. Leave the, me alone. Anta- she's been like this all day. The antagonism is, come on, it, it, it's energy. It, it's, you know, sparks. Yeah. Anyways. Psycho. Yeah, psycho. Um. So, like, before the twist is revealed, I was thinking, you know, Wow. You know, because there's there's a lot of weird things that happen to to Marion in the, at the beginning, right? Uh-huh. And she's like recounting things that she's observed, but she's like imagining things too, right? That like conversations people are having about her that she hasn't like overheard or anything. She's the psycho. Well, I, she seems like she's a little unstable. Not like she's necessarily, you know. Very much so, but she seems a little unstable. So I was like, huh. And then we learn a little bit more about Norman. And I don't think it, they really, really were pushing in this film that the fact that he likes to do taxidermy with birds is weird. Um, and I'm not saying it's not weird, but I don't think it's like the weirdest hobby somebody could have. I mean, maybe, maybe. In I don't 1960- think that they are trying to push it that much. Really? I thought that they were. Um, oh, I just. But but who? Marion, look, Marion, look. She, I, I don't, I don't remember. What's the, the the bad version of a, of a of a, of a dude? What? <laughs> look, look, I'm as much of a problem on this show as you are. There's a Chad, and then there's a what? It doesn't matter. I don't yeah. know what it's called, but he's the he's the what? You know, he's the nerd. Yeah, and yeah. then there's I don't remember what a Barbie I don't remember what the, the why do we take their the right look the right can mean you know what I mean that's why we take their stuff right mm-hmm. but anyway so Stacy she's a Stacy and he's a whatever a, a Chad is mm-hmm. so she doesn't she's not even thinking about it she's like oh birds that's weird she's got like she's like she's got serious problems yeah she's like yeah. getting getting pumped by the by jawline you know and she's taking money she's having like a, a life fear you know yeah, she doesn't care about I his know. little hobby i know that's true and, and then like the only thing that he really gets mad at or upset over is you know the idea that he would put his mother in, in an a mental institution like which i understand up to that point everything's going great like that's she's, true you know that's true 
I do think, and I understand why he would get upset by somebody su- suggesting that something like that. Especially do you? Some- his yes. mother is not real. She has been dead for 10 years. I, I know, saw it on that TV show I on AMC. I know, but we don't know that yet in right. this film. Right. So that's clearly not his motivation, the motivation you're about to subscribe to him. Right. But Sub- I- subscribe? I'll take a subscription. Anyways, the point I was trying to make is that... Um, <laughs> make it better. Well, is that until the, the it's revealed that Norman is his mother, you that his mother is movie? dead. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, I was sitting there thinking, who's the psycho? Is it Marion? Is it Norman? Is it his mother? The and titular, then it's like the titular psycho. And then it's the end of the movie, and it's like, oh no, 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 it's Norman. There's only uh, like eight, uh, five, six characters in this. I know, including the uh, the, the neighbors. I know who we didn't. Oh, and the psychiatrist. Yeah, right. Uh, written by uh, Robert Block, uh, who was an author, famous author at the time, and uh, I think he was a screenwriter. But a lot of his stuff was adapted. He um, he's got a theme. His Star Trek episode was the one where Jack the Ripper was killing showgirls and Scotty's got to figure out why. Wow, great. Um, This, of course, was uh, amazing title sequences by Saul Bass. Oh, my gosh. And the music? by Bernard Herrmann, yep. And there are stories. Great. There are stories that you should definitely look up that we're not getting into because we don't try not to do that. Although I will say that I'm not sure this might be the first time we ever see a toilet flush in American cinema, but I don't know. I think you mentioned that, Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Shocked everybody. Uh, yes. Pretty racy for uh, 1960. It is. Um, Shower scene. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, Janet Lee's just in a bra for, like, That's half true of too. her screen time. That's true. And um, it was, uh, um, what am I trying to say? I don't know. It, they, they had color, but he didn't want to do it in color. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did it in black and white. Okay. Uh, that was still a choice you could make back then. I mean, mm-hmm. you make it now, but. Um, I mean, I think the blood going down the drain... Oh no no! You Would have been way more. You couldn't. He he was able to have so much blood because it was black and white. I don't think you could have got yeah, away with that much. blood. That's a good point. But that's who knows though? Point. There were cowboy movies and you know other kind of movies that have blood. But there's so. a, there's there is a substantial amount of blood. Um, but <laughs> when you're watching it. You were like, wow, she's really getting a lot of that in the tub. You know, <laughs> for a brutal stabbing. You know, it's not going all over the bathroom. Yeah. Um, one time he had a European stay at the hotel and he was never able to kill her because she just, you know. Wow. I had a shower before I left Europe. Oh, they have stop different, they have different, you know, they have different habits. Oh, my God. That's right? terrible. <laughs> or like a hippie lady came and she, but she had one of those stones, you know, she's just like a deodorant stone. Uh, and she's like, I'm probably fine. Oh, Little patchouli. And he's like, what is this? We're going to take a shower. I can only stab people when they're in the shower. It's the cleanup's what? easier. I guess. <laughs> But he, he does kill the, the detective on the stairs, though. So my There's... favorite part about it, though, like one reason. Well, not my favorite part, but it took me so much longer. I know we don't actually see the mother's face f- f- until no, like. No, no, we see her face. Well, at the very, very end, we see her, her corpse that he has creepily preserved. And I guess that's another reason. With the preserves. With, yeah, right. With the fruit cellar. Um <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's maybe another reason why he, like, they decided that he was going to be due taxidermy, right? You're because just, he had the chemicals. You're just watching the movie. You're like, is the money the psycho? Is the cop the psycho? 
Oh, shut up. Is the car salesman the psycho? No, I was not. Jeez. Um, but like, there are a lot of great touches in this film. Stop talking. Why are you telling me to stop talking? I'll let you say whatever you want to do uh, about Dress to Kill, but this is the most famous, this is one of the best movies ever made. I need to make some points about this film. Well, so. can I make some points too? I don't know. You're kind of just wandering around and talking about like, you know, her, I, her being you... stuffed. <sighs> Because you brought up that her face was seen. If you're going to yell, lean back from the mic. Whose face was seen? Whose face was seen? I never talked about anybody's face. The mother's face. Um, Uh, I didn't get to make the point that I wanted to make. Well, you should have made it quicker. Uh, Why don't we trade off? Um, There are some great touches uh, in this script. Written by a guy who had written, I think, one script before this uh, at that point, Joseph Stefano. And there's, you know, great stuff. The, the movie com- commits 100% that Marion Crane is the protagonist of this film. You know, it's yes. one of the things that it's one of the greatest switches yes. that Brian De Palma tries to rip off in Dress to Kill. And there's just uh, uh, the, the cowboy real estate guy. What a character. Thirsteroni? That's not a real thing. But anyway. Uh, but in that conversation, when right after she has this big, not really fight with Sam, she goes back to the office. <laughs> Clearly, she's, you know, kind of upset, but she's just kind of pushing through it. And marriage, kids and and money are brought up in, in one kind of conversation yes. innocently right. from all three characters. You know, yeah. all of these things contribute to her kind of snapping a little and going like, well, I'm taking that money and I'm yeah. going to get this life that I want. Yeah. Um, there's just there's things like that all over the script that I think are are really great. There's there are some things like oh, uh, you know I feel like we're the same person or you know every best friend's uh, mother is his son or whatever. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And, right, and, I, and, right. it's, but, and it's a lot of stuff that's kind of like ho 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 ho, but it's not because the movie has no intention of letting you know anything Mm-mm. until the end. Yeah. And all you can do is just watch the movie again and go, oh, it's kind of right there in front of you the entire time. Right. You're the one that assumed that. You know, the lady was real, like in the house. I did. I did. Not you. I mean, you, the audience. Oh, the audience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now say your point. See, we trade off. You can have five minutes. Sorry. All day. Um, All day. Anyways, um, I don't think that's necessary. (laughs) I really don't. I've been like this all day. Um, I get offended when people are offended by me. Go ahead. Uh. All I was going to say is one thing that that led me to believe that his mother was real is they have conversations with each other. Yeah. He's he's doing both of the voices somehow. I don't – if you told me that Anthony Perkins did all that – those voices, Uh and I'm not sure that he did. I don't think he did. Because – Right. Anthony Perkins, man. Where'd they find this kid? Has he been – I haven't seen him in anything else. No, he was typecast as a psycho. He's been in Psychos 2 through 8 or whatever. Like, he's oh, that's really? all he's ever done. Are you serious? There's more than one? I didn't I didn't know there was more How'd than you one. Think, how do you think they got to Bates Motel? Yes, of course. Know. There was a series with Bud Court in the 1980s and Laurie Petty and Jason Bateman. You know, when Jason Bateman plays this world-weary, cynical guy, yeah. that's not a put-on. It's all the failed TV shows that he's been in and all the movies that have grossed zero. Anyway, Anthony Perkins is fire. He is so good in this. He is fantastic. And he's doing and this. He should be in more. He should have been in more stuff. Yeah, he's doing this thing. Maybe this stage. I don't know. Uh, he was doing. The, he's doing this thing where you get this. You know, in these movies where um, 
and we've we've watched old movies. We've seen this a little bit, but like yeah. the, the acting style starts to get more natural. By the time we get to the seventies, it's like <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like that naturalistic style that drives yeah. Uta Hagen crazy. But right, right, but right. There, it's just he's there are things going on in his head. Yes, and there, you know, and don't, and 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 don't get me wrong, like. Janet Lee is great. She is. Vera Miles is great. I've never appreciated her so much as, as this time when I watched it. She but, Lillian, her sister? Yeah. Okay. Little little bit of Jenna Malone? Yeah. Did we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, you, you did mention that while we were watching it. Yeah. I can Whereas, see like, you know, John is just, well, I'm in a movie. It's like, yeah, well, enjoy it. I don't know if it's going to happen again. <laughs> but, yeah, he is he is so good and so... His vulnerable is very at times, so subtle. you know, yeah. almost transparent. Yeah. But, you know, Marion doesn't know she's looking at death, you know, right now. No. And then and then completely cold, you know, and, and clinical sometimes. And it's just. Ugh. Well, and it's like. Like before it's revealed, right? I, I, I hate to keep going back to that, but I don't know how else to d- describe it. You maybe I don't trade by this movie. Maybe. I, yeah. You. Well, um, so he supposedly, you know. So he mur- murders uh, Marion as mm. dressed as his mother, yeah. as his mother. I think they, the psychologist, when they come in later, says that he has a split personality or, you know, you know, he, his, he couldn't deal with his mother's death, who he killed. Right. So he decided that she needed to live. And that was another way that she she lived. And it's, just tracking um, just LGBTQ uh, representation or at least respect in these two films. <laughs> they make a point of saying he's not a transvestite. They do. Or a transsexual. No. But also go on to give their explanation at the time, but not like, right. it's not one of these fruits or whatever. It's just, no, it wasn't know, the psychiatrist, even all. though he is, re- he's auditioning for something while he's doing this, <laughs> but he's professional and he's like, and he doesn't, he's not passing judgment. No, it's weird that this movie from 1960 is more woke about transsexuals than the movie and from 1980, but yeah. we'll get to right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but like so he so Norman discovers uh Marion's body, right? Yeah. And and it's as if like oh this this horror, how could my mother do this because he it's like he doesn't know it's him like when he's like Yeah, no, mother. he's not he's not acting for anybody. No. Yeah. No. And and so then like he's playing the as the psychologist puts it the dutiful son and he you feel like this hasn't happened before, but then we find out later that maybe it has. Well, he said, he says, you know, drag that swamp. Who knows how many cars are in there? Right, right. So, but he 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 gets rid of her body, and it's not like this is not horrific for him. I feel like it is, but he's very clinical about it. Yeah, no, yeah, he's practiced. He's, he's detached. Yeah, you get the idea. He's done this before. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and there are just some interesting things in the way that he. Um, uh well and um just the the subtleties when he's interacting with different characters just like the the slight weird smiles that he he'll put on his he has on his face like every once in a while and you're like sure. well that looks kind of that seems kind of sinister but he seems like he's he not comes, arch. no yeah but he comes across as being very trustworthy and like a, a nice person you know what I mean? Up until he, you know, removes that painting from the wall and there's a huge yes. hole. Yeah, well, <laughs> up until that point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love the fact that there is a Hitchcockian MacGuffin uh, in this film. He invented them, off, after all, um, and it's the money. And as the audience, we're yeah. tracking all the bits, you know, of the movie up to this point. We're tracking the money. Where's that money? And the money's like, goes in the trunk. Trunk goes in the swamp. No more money. 
Right. I mean, they they take it out at the end, so yeah. presumably it goes back to. The I mean, the guy, MacGuffin is but... never anything of any real substance, like right. it's a Maltese Falcon or it's a something like that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, like not only does Marion go in the car, the thing that we're using to gain get your interest goes in the car, and I just love the fact that when it fades out of the the Norman thing and fades up on the on the the next part, the hardware shop, you're like. Okay, what's the movie about now? I know. <laughs> like, are we gonna? Is this an in cold blood thing? Or are we gonna try to investigate the death of Mary? Like, what? What is it gonna be? And yeah, it's it's a great switch, and it's a great, it's a brave jumping off point. It it's is like because I think that any old movie in the '60s you would be invested in, like, oh, maybe this guy's gonna chase her around the the house, and then she's gonna get away somehow. And you think it's that's gonna not, be about Marion? That's and not then what she, it is. And then she dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like what halfway through? And it's even kind of funny because you know Norman, like you said, is rightfully shocked by what happens. Yeah. And he's kind of taking care of everything, and then we're kind of like, oh, you know, he's forgot the money, and we're kind of like. Oh no! Don't forget the money. Why, why am I helping him? <laughs> you know, and then like he drives the car in the thing, and it starts to sink. And here's how we know he's a real maniac. He eats candy corn. Who likes candy corn? <laughs> but and he's and he's kind of snacking on the thing, and the thing goes down. He's like, "Oh no, it's not going down." And then it starts to go down, and he's like, oh, "Okay, who?" <laughs> it's I like know. a comedy beat. I know it is after a brutal stabbing. I know. Yeah, I love it. And, it's like, so the, the knife is, like, so huge and, like, menacingly, <laughs> well, like, sharp and shiny, yeah. right? Um, you want a boning knife, right? You want a... Oh, no, he's not going to dismember her, though, so... No. Well, that went, that uh, went, that went down wow. easy. Um, <laughs> but, like... I mean, you don't... It's it's interesting, like, how Hitchcock got away with this, right? Like, he, he shows them... It doesn't. He doesn't actually show the knife going into any of the victims. He just. He. Yeah. You, you get oh, the idea. You meant the scene. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And that was a lot for the. You know, Janet Lee's got a little. Um, it's a little underwear on, but like that's. Right. That, that was a lot to get away with. I yeah. thought you meant like the secret, and there. there oh, the secret too. There were some things. Obviously, he didn't. You know, let anybody write it in the review or something like that. And there was a thing about like you couldn't. I think you couldn't come in after the picture started. Mm. Or like any time before she's killed, I don't think that they would let people. I mean, who comes? Somebody comes to a movie twenty twenty five minutes in, I guess. But um, they did have some rule about that. They did go to an effort to keep it somewhat secret. Well, like it I didn't suppose, get to you, right? I know, <laughs> but um, I'm actually really glad that it didn't. I mean, I don't think it necessarily would have ruined yeah. the movie, but it was. It was kind of nice and refreshing to be able to watch a, a, an older film and not know the twist ending uh, and, and watch it without knowing that and not have it spoiled for Did me. Did you know so if it nice. doesn't gel, it's not aspic? Yeah, right? <laughs> Do you like, like Oh, my gosh. So this is how I know that the, uh, what is the Nelson Mandela effect or the living in a simulation thing isn't real because I've gone about aspic for years, but you may have just heard that word about a week ago. We were talking about it on Sailor Noob. And then, that's not true. I've heard of it before, but it's oh, okay. it, but but suddenly it appears in a it, film. It, it's it's one of those things. It's not new to me, but do you go to having, the circuses having, and like, pop kids balloons? Be quiet. Why not just have fun? Why not just be like, yeah, huh, crazy, and then put a plug in for sale and noob. Where we don't argue as much. Uh, what else is out there? How many more horror movies followed this exact? Did this plan exist? This framework before, uh, before uh, Psycho, right? 
I don't know. Yeah, think about it. How many horror movies are like couples screwing at Inspiration Point or whatever, and the monster kills them? Mm, yeah. Um, so, so something goes on. There's another victim. Uh, somebody's trying to investigate, you know, and a cop gets killed or something like mm-hmm. that. And then it turns out it's at true. the end that it was one of the people in the movie yes. all the time. It was that nobody knew. That's true. And that does happen a lot. Yeah, and it's. Uh, and, and and you're inside the house, and while right. you're inside the house, you're trying to escape, but you're also opening all these doors that are revealing everything. Like you go to Mother's room, then you go to Norman's room, and you're like, oh my God, you know? And then, you know what I mean? Like yes. Silence of the Lambs. Like the last confrontation, she's trying to find Bill, but she keeps going into all the chambers in his dungeon and seeing, we start to see the insanity, you know, of, of yeah. Buffalo Bill. Right. Another movie about a transsexual murderer. Yeah. I feel like that happens. I think more we hit that a little much. I think we do. I think we hit that a little too I, much. I think we do too. Did you know that Norman Bates no longer exists? No. <laughs> so, did he kill them? Yes. And no. Yeah, right. What's he right. auditioning for? Yeah, I don't know. He the, he went pretty hard. Hey, he had on one that. scene and he was going to do it. Yeah. I want to do 40 minutes on this because I don't think I can eat 20 minutes out of Dress to Kill, but I guess we can okay. try. All right. Um, I guess this spoils a TV show. What? Bates Motel? Well, it's kind of like Hannibal. It's like, well, okay, let's see the Red Dragon. And well, I've seen him in like a couple movies now, but I guess we can do this on a TV show. Right. And then in the movie, like, we finally parse out that, oh, Norman killed uh, the boyfriend and um, and killed the mother maybe too. Mm-hmm. And now we get to see that in the probably last season of the of AMC ba- show. Bates Motel. Yeah. yeah right. Um, you not impressed? I'm... <laughs> How how is a, a TV show that's new, that's a prequel, going to ruin the original thing? I mean, maybe you thought that Norman was. Oh, you're you, oh it ruined it for me. I see. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, but it, <laughs> the existence of the movie kind of ruins the prequel TV show. That's why they yes. Make, why do they make all these prequel TV shows? I don't know because Caprica. they're trying to. Yeah. Screw you. Well, because they're trying to get more stuff out. Well, of you it. know what really ruined this? Hmm. The 1998 remake. Oh my god! Psycho shot for shot remake in color by Gus Van Sant. I did not. I don't. I must have. Starring. Every, if you had a yeah. 90s Mount Rushmore of actors, mm-hmm. this would be it. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn, William H. Macy, Julianne Moore, Viggo Mortensen, Anne Heche. I don't know who played the car salesman, but I bet it was somebody. I'm sure <laughs> Probably it was. a 90s comedian or something. It's just like, I mean, I know I probably heard of it, like, when it came out, but I certainly don't remember hearing about it now. And And, like, then you tell me... That it was like shot for shot, and we—I think we watched. We watched uh, the shower scene. Wish the shower scene, and I'm just like, why? Yeah. Why? Like you're gonna remake something? What is the point of doing it? He had that shot for shot. Goodwill Hunting money. Make, yeah, but it just makes it, it's. First of all, the original is a classic, so I don't understand the need or desire. But to Diane, redo. Hitchcock couldn't do the shot. Where we spiral out of Marion Crane's dead eye. I don't care. I don't so care. So Gus Van Zandt picked up the torch. Yeah. Now, you know how we talked about how um, Anthony Perkins wasn't like camp? Well, set Vince Vaughn loose on that role. He's yeah. super like arch the whole time. Oh, I'm sure he is. I don't think that he's a bad actor, but 
he did not get the direction to like not be just telegraphing that you are you, like, you're the murderer. a giggling psycho the whole time. Right, right. Yeah, not great. Last thoughts uh, before we move on. Um, I thought worse. I thought it was um, fantastic. Um, I I uh, I mean. I've I like a lot of Hitchcock movies. I've seen a lot of them. Um, How does this compare? I think it's way up there, honestly. Um, it's definitely better than The Birds, which we watched. <clears throat> I, I think know, yeah, a couple weeks ago. And I, I, mean, I wouldn't call like Hitchcock a plotty guy, but he does usually have a plot to move things along. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very psychological. There are always character studies, but nobody just like hangs around. Even in Rear Window, when they're hanging around, right? Uh, there's like, we got to get in there. We got to go. Oh, I think Raymond Burr saw us. And then there's all the little A, B, C, D, E, F stories of the people in the apartments and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely like, I guess he is kind of a plot guy, but in a good way. Right. It's not much of a plot to this. A lady's killed. Right. And then they try to find that lady and they find out who the killer is. Right. The end. Pretty much the end. Yeah. And I think you said before... The, the third act is not as strong as the rest of the film, and I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. There's just no where to go, really. No. Um, I don't know. Uh, okay, all right. We can't put it up any longer. All right. We got to talk about Dress to Kill from 1980. Oh, boy. Brian De Palma. How many De Palma movies are we going to do on this show? I don't know how I was many. I'm thinking about this. Yeah. <clears throat> how many Michael Caine movies? Yeah. Because we've done a couple. Mm. There's another one. And then we did um, Scarface. Uh, yes. We did um, Someday I Want to Do Carlito's Way. Okay. Um, oh, we're definitely going to do... I haven't seen Carrie, so we're doing Carrie for sure. Oh, you haven't seen Carrie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, see, oh, that's how it feels. Uh, I Sorry, that was like one of our go-to movies And I kind of want to see Blowout. School. I know it's not, it's not that good, but <laughs> it's not oh, as this. Not, I've never even heard of that one. Uh, um, we didn't watch The Untouchables for this, but uh, that's a De Palma film. So De Palma, guy who makes... Classic films, yeah, by ripping off classic films. Speaking of Untouchables, yeah, and then he made this. What happens in Dress to Kill? Uh, um, what if Marion Crane was a prostitute? <laughs> no, no, it'd be wow. Lila Crane. Yeah, sorry, Lila. Wow. Crane. Um, so as in Psycho, we are led to believe that Angie Dickinson is um, <coughs> whose name I can't remember. Her Doesn't actually. matter. Uh, is the protagonist of this film. We're following her through her life and her day. She <laughs> she's following people. Yeah, in I her know. Life. <laughs> she's she's married. She has a teenage son who's into electronics <coughs> and inventing stuff. And she goes to see her uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, psychiatrist. Excuse me, who's played by Michael Caine, um, and I think it's Doctor Elliot. And uh, then she goes to an art museum, and she she's she's not happy in her marriage. So she's kind of thinking about cheating on her husband. She hasn't exactly shared that out loud, but that's what she's thinking. And she hooks up with this guy from the the museum. Um, they <laughs> that that that's wow. so that leaves out so much. How much do you... Okay, she... There's like a 20-minute sequence. Yeah, I know. Well, that's not 20 minutes, but where she's <laughs> dropping her glove and she's walking and around. picking it up again. Chasing and, each other yeah. through the net. And, yeah. yeah, and he's like has a pen in his mouth. So it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. That's supposed to be sexy? It's weird. Um, And, and then like he like... 
she gets into a cab with him because he beckons her with her other her glove that she, he had put on his hand. It's really weird. Um, also, this is this is the probably a very big contender for horniest movie. I think that this we've is, ever seen. I mean, Brian De Palma equals sleazy. Yeah, but this might be the horniest movie we've ever seen. I think it might be. Um, so she gets into the cab with him. They they have sex in the cab, and then they go back to his place. Presumably, have sex again. She finds out he has a venereal disease. We're, we're not going beat by beat. Okay, on, you all right. Through, you're not even through the first act. All right. Um, so she she's about to leave, uh, and she gets on the elevator. She goes. She writes to, a note, but then she crumples it up and writes another note. Uh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> she realizes she left her wedding ring in the uh, in his, this guy's apartment. So she goes back up, and she gets pill- killed by somebody uh, who looks like a, a, a blonde woman. Uh, with a, a a razor blade, and um, and she is seen by somebody else who is in the the apartment building. Gosh, what is her name? Lewis from RoboCop. Lewis from RoboCop. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and Lewis from RoboCop notices that um, she sees somebody else in the elevator with her, a blonde woman. So she sees the killer. Uh, she okay, somehow, we don't have this much time. Okay, she somehow gets the razor blade out. It, it's like this whole thing. No. Angie, <laughs> you okay. say, every time I goad you to go faster, you yeah. slow down more. So cut cut through it here with a razor blade. Okay. Um, Dennis Franz. A- Angie Dickinson dies. <laughs> They they go to the police station. Yeah. Um, Lewis is trying to to figure out who who it is. They interview uh, Michael Caine. He's like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. The cop thinks it's one of his patients. He's like, uh, I don't know. Um, the son. I like is, your Michael Caine. Yeah, thanks. Is uh, I didn't really do one. Uh, is like eavesdropping and uh, basically uh, Lewis from RoboCop uh, gets followed by um, the the killer. And they attempt to kill her, but somehow um, say they just say she. It she, uh, whatever. You're giving it all away. <laughs> You're making a big deal out of it. Uh, so uh, the the son like prevents it by spraying some like shaving cream in the Lots killer's of face. Uh, and uh, uh, this they get chased. Uh, they're trying to find the killer, but they're getting chased by the killer, and uh, it finally is revealed. Who the killer is. Yeah, no third act. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> it's Michael Caine. It's Michael Caine. The killer killer rips off yeah. the, the wig and says, I'm Michael, <clears throat> I'm Michael Caine. Yeah, right. And, um... and then then a psychiatrist comes out yeah, and know, explains right? everything. And the psychiatrist is the mayor from Ghostbusters. <laughs> I thought he looked familiar. <laughs> Couldn't place him though. And then, because we had to inspire Wes Craven, uh, we the killer comes back and kills her. But it's all a dream. Was that entire sequence when he was in the institution? When he's in the Duran Duran video uh, yeah. mental hospital? Yeah. That's probably all a dream. I think that's probably all a dream, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Double sigh. Yeah. Um, what let's, a mess. Let's, yeah, <laughs> what your recap of the movie. I know. The, what? You, did, you did the best you could. It's a crazy movie. That opens yeah. with that opens with Oh my god. Policewoman jerking off in the shower. Who in Angie a, Dickinson was policewoman? 
Is yeah, that what, okay. yeah. <laughs> in, in her own, like in her own dream, this movie opens and closes with dreams. Yeah. And am I wrong that that the man shaving at the mirror, a lot of razor imagery in this movie, uh, was Michael Caine for at least at one shot? I thought so, but then I was like second guessing myself. But then it's like her husband. Yeah, because she's 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 totally turned on by Michael Caine. We yeah, get that. Do you know how we know? Because of that movie. Because it spends scene. about five minutes tracking all over her naked body. Yeah, I know. If that's not her naked body, but somebody's naked body. Right. And then she's, you know, uh, uh, grabbed by a man or somebody in the shower. So there's a lot of... I get that for a bored housewife who wants to be liberated mm-hmm. um, from her crappy second marriage, I think. Yes. And, um, and also her, you know, sexual frustration. I get that, like being sexual acting on those things there's no ashley madison back then um is scary but she has a dream where she's basically like attacked and raped in the shower Mm -hmm. and then also she does she finds she meets this weirdo finally like it has some sex with him and enjoys it will die in about two minutes yep for having sex right like in a horror movie right but before then have to make sure she sees the doctor's report that this guy has syphilis and gonorrhea. And I it know. says on the doctor's report. <laughs> yes. Which is not a letter that was mailed to him. This is something that like would go in a patient's file. It says, Yeah, it's You have up. a venereal disease. And it's, it's an exclamation, exclamation point. <laughs> which is so like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Of all the far fetched stuff that's so in it's this just movie, like, that's pretty far fetched. Look, I was thinking about this when we were watching this. 1980 was still the 70s. More or less, yes. It was. It literally was mathematically. But also, like, it, it, it was in terms of, you know, attitudes in films and everybody's like, oh, we're all going to get a piece of this, you know, key party that is life or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a movie. Michael Crichton, I think his no, his first movie was um, Great Dream Memory off his book, Westworld. I Early movie by I Crichton called Looker. In okay. Looker, Albert Finney... <laughs> Albert Finney, 65-year-old Albert Finney, uh, sleeps with, like, 23-year-old Susan Day. And they both are like, oh, this is, well, she wouldn't be 23 at that point. She'd be in her late 20s, maybe early 30s. Uh-huh. And they're both like, oh, this is, this is kind of a, you know, January, December romance. But it's never questioned because, hey, everything's cool, baby. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Right. And that's, I think that's what's suffusing this. I don't know if De Palma got laid in the 60s slash 70s. I know he wishes he did. Right. I know he didn't get laid enough. Right. To cure him of whatever's wrong with him. <laughs> His horny, horny movie. But I just don't know why. I know that she's, you know, the, the Marion Crane character. Yes. But why does she have to be punished for just acting on these very natural desires? Well, she's coming on to Michael Caine. Yeah. Which all fits into the movie because he yeah. kills her for being attracted to him. Right. And him being attracted to her. Yes. This is a mess. Which and is also, we didn't talk about this, but that's a reference to, to Psycho as well. Yeah, because, yeah, because Norman doesn't know how to deal with his feelings. Yeah, and the psychologist is like, well, he was turned no, 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 on by your sister. No, Brian De Palma stole yeah, all, everything I, yeah. from Psycho. No, yep. I get it. I get yep. it. So I just, I don't know why they had to do that. It seems really um, sadistic. I agree um, with you. Um, like, she's already, like, why give her uh, venereal disease and then murder her as well? Yeah. Like, you're, you're already going to murder her. Why why put the STD on there as well? But, so she yeah. could die unhappy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sleazy. It's pulpy. Um, 
I <laughs> we were talking about it. I was looking for like you know the signature uh, Brian De Palma uh, you know, oh, Dutch, Dutch angles. angles and camera moves. He I don't know where I guess I don't have a real timeline of De Palma in my head. Although I have seen a lot of his movies except for Carrie, um, but he definitely loves moving that camera around and letting it do whatever it wants. And so oh, there are gosh. some record slow pans. There are in this very. And I think I commented that, like, Brian De Palma, I'm just guessing, went to USC film school or whatever. Like, on the first day, the guy's like, so, this is the swivel, and it makes the camera move any direction. Brian, wait, come back! There's so much more to learn! And he's just like, woo! Yeah, because... Well, all right, I guess I'll go into this now. Um, So, she's, she's getting chased... By later, we found out there's a blonde lady cop who we had never. No, no, met we don't. No, no, we don't find that out. We, it'd be like in Psycho if. Okay. Well, actually, there's no real misdirect in Psycho, I guess. But like, if, not only is there a character that shows up in the third act, like, hi, I'm going to explain everything, hmm. but also there's another lady that looked like the killer lady who right, you've right, been right, watching right. this entire movie without knowing it, and she shows up at the end with and has no lines. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But so she, uh, she get, and then she's traced by the actual killer, and she escapes into the to the subway station, and so she's trying to be by other people, so there's not an opportunity for the killer to kill her, and she goes over by these uh, two black guys who happen to be listening to uh, a boombox, and Which I is think not you playing. you mentioned the the type <laughs> of music like, that it was playing. It's, it's like, like why disco, would they be listening, easy listening to this? But yeah. I don't mean to profile, but this movie does. Yeah, and then this movie gets weird and racist, and like other guys uh, who are, I guess are with them show up and it's they're... okay. Cause the cop that she runs to who doesn't help her was black. Yeah. Why is that? Okay. Who doesn't <laughs> help her? Yes, exactly. Yeah. This movie is sexist, racist, and very insensitive to uh, transgender people. Yes. And uh, also uh, mental illness. So I would agree with all those hit, things hit for the cycle. Yeah. Uh, but they, but for some reason they're really bothered by the fact that she's like, standing right next to them which okay i guess is a little weird but then they're like threatening her and like gonna be they're like we're gonna you're bothering us we're gonna attack you and like basically insinuating that we're gonna rape you too and i'm like what what where is this coming from why and then you you said this isn't even really motivated and then they get on the train she gets on with the cop she needs a reason to be running we need to forget about the killer for a second and she needs a reason to be running so you know, she's accosted by black youths. But it's it's which is a stock really conflict in horrible bad scripts. Yeah, but then like they, she gets yeah. on the train, she's telling the cop what's going on. He doesn't believe her. Okay, fine, whatever, not great, but but oh, she's been a prostitute this whole time. Did we mention right? That? I don't think we've mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, yet. She's, sorry, she's, sorry, super important. She's an escort, yeah. but she's, yeah, so and she's we don't a sex feel worker. like she. You don't get the the. You don't get necessarily get the idea that she needs it for the money, or maybe she's well off. No, no, no. See, this, this is no. See, this is the thing. She's a yuppie sex worker because mm-hmm. she has a broker. Yeah. That which we are, uh, discover when she is when we're in that split screen yep. scene, which oh. is not paced in any way that you can follow one or the other. You are just assaulted by two different by scenes noise. that are not particularly important. One of them is her setting up a job so she can get some money she's going to use that money to invest in this stock that her last john tipped her to that's what's going on there 
and not important. It's not like, you know, she, there's a scene where she goes and meets that guy, but she immediately leaves, you know, an hour later or whatever. So he is never important to anything. It just gets her out of the house. And then Michael Caine is like watching a Donahue episode yeah. about uh, a tra- trans man who's talking about his, or excuse me, a woman who's talking about her, her experiences. And he's just like, hmm, okay. And it doesn't like, I, I don't know, it, you can't tip us off to anything. You need your twist to be a twist. Right. And they kind of both be happen to have the TV on and it's the same program. But it's right. not shot in a way where they merge. It does anything cool. They just, they're two scenes that compete with each other. Yeah. I, I was not a fan. Um, yeah, I, I was just going like to say, like, yeah, the, the, the shots with the, on the subway with the, the cop. That was really weird and confusing. The the yeah, reverse or reverse shots. I don't know what they were going, um, going with. Huh. Um. Yeah. Do you not... like the the plucky kid? Why do movies want to always put like a plucky kid with a hooker with a heart of gold? I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it's really weird. Maybe we're seeing that invented right here. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's. I mean, it's entirely possible, but um, I mean, I guess the kid's kind of ingenious, right? But I, with like his ideas and like trying to f- find the killer and everything. But I kind of also like wonder like how he knows all this stuff. Like, how did he know? Well, he, well, your question was answered. You kept stopping the movie and asking me. I know questions, and I'm like, you're 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 asking about details that aren't important at all. But you'd mm-hmm. had one important detail was. Uh, about the fact that the kid, you know, put a camera outside of the psychiatrist's office so right. he could check out the patients yeah. and see if one of them was the person. And we did see um, the suspect coming out Bobby, of the thing. Bobby, we found out the na- their name was, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But Bobby is Michael Caine. Yes. Now, we don't see Bobby go in. No. Just come out. So maybe that was like a, a thing. But my thing was, is that I guess I didn't think about the fact that it was Michael Caine, but that clearly was not a woman the entire movie. Yeah. So I just figured it was part of the effery that, which I, at this point, I love to figure out movies, but I just went, all right, movie, just just give it to me. But you knew. I, I just moved my head back and forth like this. Uh, 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 oh, I'm really just enjoying let, having Just let sex. the movie give it to yeah. me. Um, <laughs> that, the head moving, my head moving my head back and forth, that means I'm really enjoying it. I just it. did that bit. Yeah, I know. Um, Not a lot of time left. Okay. He's got, a, he's got a mirror on his desk to remind him that he's Michael Caine. It's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's just kind of gross. Um, she, she I, her I, big plan is we're going to go to this guy's place. Now, mm-hmm. we don't even know. There, there's like, a, we've stopped at one point. There was a half an hour left and she goes, you know, with credits. Mm-hmm. And she goes to Michael Caine's office. Yeah. The only reason we're doing this, he's just been floating around the movie. I mean, just by that, you should know That's that who, he's there's a, a string to pull here, right? Right. Here, right? right? And the whole thing is all she needs to do is just look at his patient book, like his appointment right. book. It's all she has to do. Right. So to do it, she goes through half a session with a psychiatrist, yep. then strips yep. and tries to seduce him. Yep. And at the end of all that, it's like, I'm going to go powder my nose yeah. slash rifle through your desk. Yeah. She doesn't know. She, it's ironic because she doesn't know that she is you know, orchestrating her own death. No. But yeah, it just, it's nuts. They're you want to talk about pacing? Mm-hmm. There is no tension at all up until the point that she walks back into a darkened room and it's like, I I was only 16 years old. <laughs> and the worst part is, I know the worst part is, I think he think he helping. Brian, Brian De, Palma De Palma thinks that he's yeah, helping. I know. Because he has the mayor from Ghostbusters talk yes. about 
and this is not how it works, but no. talk about the fact that there are two wolves inside of him or whatever, you know, and it's and one of them wants to wear a dress. It, it, and it's like, well, that's not really how it works, but okay. And then later on, there's a little bit more of a, uh, a more, um, uh, what do I want to say? <laughs> a more understanding conversation between yes. Nancy Allen and the kid. Yes. Cause he's like, so what she, so he likes wearing clothes. She's like, no, no, he, it's, you know, it's... he he's he's going to become a woman. That's what he wants to do. But then we go into like a weird graphic description of uh, of, of gender reassignment surgery, right. and we have a bit where we bother to put a diopter on so we can focus on the old biddies behind the kid. I know, and they're like throwing up into their napkins and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, what are you? Why are you doing? I that? honestly believe that you think that you're helping here because but you're, you're not. trying to educate an audience about. But, they, but it's not but Michael Caine in a wig. Put, That's not what it is. But then why put somebody, like you said, in the background who's throwing up, hearing yeah. about it? That's yeah. not helping. No. And you're putting a judgment on this and then even and that's not even the, i said the end that's not the end of the movie no it's not because as that all that's going on then it's like uh oh my parents are out of town why don't you come stay with me and it's like well, this is a prequel to risky business and then we go in and and to the kid's house yeah and she's taking a shower because we gave you that 50 grand so we're gonna see those titties right and we're gonna do it's almost like De Palma's like saying we have Two shower scenes in my movie. Take that, psycho. It, it does feel that way. Screw yes. you. Yeah. Screw you, Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> and I know. then it leads to nothing. No, because it was all a dream. Yeah. Because when we see Michael Caine in in the unreal, the incredibly unrealistic well, it's a dream. Bellevue. I know. It's a dream. I wanted to oh, read the wow. Rotten Tomato scores for this because this is 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which How is that possible? Is because here's why. And De Palma, his entire career, and it's I mean, he's still alive, he's probably still making movies, um, was defended by Roger Ebert and Pauline Kael. They they liked oh, him. Oh, okay. Um, Roger Ebert, Pauline Kael, I don't know why. She was very contrary. <laughs> Although I like Pauline Kael, but she she loved taking the, the other track. Sure. And Robert Roger Ebert, um, you know, wrote uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Like, he liked pulp cinema and stuff like that. And so sure. maybe he saw a kindred spirit there, or the type of uh, film that he liked for escapism so i think like everybody's like oh well, I, I like it i just think maybe it's one maybe it's one of those films maybe when it came out it was really cutting edge and biting and really saying something but i, I think, think everybody was horny yeah that could be <laughs> but i feel like now with our more uh <coughs> Social conscientious goggles on and and just <laughs> Do you have I, goggles on? Yeah, well, I just you know we're we're way more woke about like I'm speaking in general, but uh, about uh, yeah, you the know, gay people aren't villains, right? Let's close it up with that. Yeah, exactly. We'll see you next week. I'm on the